excited because we're in a new venue this week we've actually made it out of the flat and into an actual city center location we're looking over socky hall street uh let me introduce you to my friend hi i'm ellie harrison sorry i was just focused on the software then and making sure that the sound levels weren't too loud but i'm sorry probably just popped your eardrums well i do have to apologize actually because the reason that i'm talking so loud is because i know two weeks ago uh, I was kind of overly quiet when we were in the Mitchell Library. I'm looking at my sound levels and it still looks like I'm very loud. So if I am very loud, then I apologise. You're too bloody close. To oh, the I'm too close. To, okay, just right. Chill I'm going to sit. A bit. Okay, so I'm. But no, just put it like put this about down. an inch from your face or something. Okay, how's that? How's that for everyone? I think okay, that's if anyone has a problem with it, just phone in. Uh, <laughs> now. Um, let me talk to you a little bit, Ellie, about what we're going to talk about today. Because I think you'll find it quite exciting. I'm really excited, actually. I mean, I don't know. you have to come to your own conclusions, obviously. Okay. But we're in the CCA, and if you've used Google this morning also, you might know, as well as being our first May show, which you pointed out to me, it's also Keith Haring's birthday today. Is it really? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's totally dead. But it is his birthday, and Google have honoured him by making a special Keith Haring doodle. And one of the things that, I mean, I'm a big fan of his work anyway. I mean, I would love a kind of maybe a denim jacket patch or something. I'd have to get a denim jacket patch. Uh, well, I have to get a denim jacket first. It is your birthday coming But I think as a patch it would look, well, but I don't know if they actually exist. It's one of those things that I fantasized about. One of the things I also like about him is he did a lot of work with other people. And one of his collaborators, Bill T. Jones, described him as uh, Keith Haring's philosophy as being do the work, live the life. And I think, you know, that's obviously something that we're probably going to be big fans of at the Ellie and Oliver show. So we're both very into that kind of thing. Um, Now, I want to talk to you about that because it sounds like he's made a very specific line of direction for, you know, he's going to do that and then he's going to do this other thing and he's going to make sure both of them happen at once or at different times. He's made times for them. Uh, one of the things that I've got a bit of a sad admittance to, all listeners, is that we're at the CCA today. That's a happy admittance, yeah. but I do have to sadly admit that we haven't actually been downstairs yet to see the Rob Kennedy show, which I hear is such a great show. And I, But I would like to offer, by way of an excuse, the fact that there's just been... I know that a couple of weeks ago we talked about how there's so many great artists and so many great things happening in Glasgow that it's really difficult to, like... Find and especially if you're doing your own things, it's so difficult to decide when is the right time and what you should go and see and like making time for things like that. So um, we're at the CCA. Uh, by way of another apology, I'd just like to promo two things that are coming up at the CCA, which I think sound really interesting. They're both films. One of them's got a crazy name. It's called Symbiopsychotaxiplasm. Don't know if you know about that. Do you know no. that film? It's by William Graves, and uh, it's going to be at the CCA on the 17th of May. And it's about a guy who takes a film crew to shoot a film, but the film crew themselves aren't aware of what what kind of film they're making. They have to sort of decide for themselves. And secondly, another one that I think sounds really great is the Cosmic Dissecting Room show on the 31st of May. 
And that is about an artist who chooses to leave the city. He makes a decision to leave the city and to go onto an island instead to make work there, like kind of abandoning that sort of stressful uh uh, city centre gallery life to go and make things which for me resonates with the certainty of insignificance which I've been talking about for a couple of weeks. Is it a Scottish island? Uh, no it's actually a Greek island mm. it sounds like a kind of art Shirley Valentine in a way which I think really draws me to it. Nicer weather uh, No Shirley Valentine and this guy who made this film they've both got things in common is that they both made decisions about what was wrong with their life and they took it upon themselves to change it or sort it out and so today I'd like to introduce our theme as being, in quite a long-winded way, <laughs> it's all about decisions. Uh, and now I'm going to hand you over to Ellie Harrison because I'm, I'm worried that I've hogged the mic for too long. Terrible, terrible. Apologies. Well, this theme, I think, is, I th I'm really excited about it. I think it's one of the best themes we've ever chosen. And it was a collaborative effort to come up with this idea. Like mm -hmm. all of the GI themes that we've done, communities, competitions and now decisions, were were decided upon through a lot of email negotiations yeah. and late night chats in the flat. But this one kind of emerged from a few ideas we were throwing around. Your idea of overloads, mm -hmm. which I liked a lot, the idea of being kind of overwhelmed with possibilities, I suppose. And that led me on to think about choices, because I'm really interested in kind of the emphasis that... Um, is put on, in a, like a free market economy on choice, mm -hmm. on having more choices for what you can buy than what you actually need. It actually makes me quite sad sometimes when I think about... <laughs> Too many choices. Well, more when I walk past things, adverts and stuff that say like it's your choice. There's something inside me that feels really sad, the idea that people would get excited by the idea of having a choice that actually isn't, you know, that much of a choice. Well, There's something such a bit heartbreaking funny. about it. This is such a funny photograph. Like, I, I just got this little photograph from the newspaper from, actually it's from November last year. It was an article about choice and how choice is the driver of inequality because the more money and education you have, the better choices you can make. So it's all very well to say we're all free and equal. But as I discovered last week in my Marx lecture, there's nothing more unequal than the equal treatment of the there's nothing more <laughs> unequal than the equal treatment of unequals i think that's amazing mm. ponder on that but look there's a brilliant picture of all these different types of bread and they're all slightly different colors and all slightly different shapes now we should tweet pick it tweet pick it we should tweet pick it but i mean the fact of the matter is you've got to decide which bread you want and when you get it it's basically just going to be bread Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. And that's what I always think. There's a shop actually just near the CCA. I don't want to mention it, but it sells a noodle based product yeah. and they refer to their toppings as favorites. Right. You know, your choice of any favorite. And the idea of someone like associating themselves with like chicken or broccoli as being a favorite. It's just something very every time I walk past it, I feel really sad inside that there's like people are making decisions on things that like it's not really a decision and then the idea that anyone would have some kind of personal relationship you know to associate something as being a favorite i find that quite because i think in general i am someone who has a, a lot of trouble with making a decision and sticking to a decision and and not either going back on it or just being aware that whatever decision you make there's always going to be things that like you think oh 
maybe I should have chosen the other thing. It's like, you know, whenever I've written essays in the past, I can never come to a proper conclusion. I can never make a decision and pursue that to the end. My essays invariably end like, well, it could be this, or it could also be that. Like, and I do think I have a real fear of making decisions, and I think it's, it's connected perhaps to actually a fear of growing up. Is it a fear of commitment, then? I think it's a fear of... Um, well, I've been listening, actually, a little bit this week to some Rick Roderick lectures uh, on a series that he made in 93, so it's quite dated, actually, just slightly after Keith Haring died. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, he's a, a Texan uh, philosopher... But also tutor. He's known for his idiosyncratic presentation, which is what drew me towards him. Is that what you're known for as well? Uh, well, idiosyncratic is a word that flies up time to time. But I actually, I mean, I don't fully really understand what it means. And I try not to because I think, like, if you did understand it, then you'd try to, like, play up to it. I'm just going for what I'm going for. Which, But Rick Roderick's series is about the self under siege. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the second lecture, he talks about Heidegger. Uh, which I'm not going to attempt to even cover, because I don't think I could even if we did the full half now, but one of the things he talks about is um, this kind of, th- the mood of this, th- of being the self as being one of anxiety, which I know is really existential and apparently not very fashionable anymore. But I think well, Rick Roderick says that like if you accept this nothingness, if you confront the fact that you're going to die, then that is apparently what will uh, make you be able to focus more on what you choose to be your project and, like, making your story. That's really interesting. Like, I I mean, it makes me think about one of the thoughts that I had when I was doing my T-Blog project, so one of the thoughts that's archived in those 1,650 thoughts that are on tblog.net, if you want to check (laughs) that out. But one of them is, like, this idea of if you knew the day that you were going to die, you'd be able to plan your life more efficiently. Mm. So if you were aware of this kind of finite period of time, that you'd be able to be, maybe make um, more appropriate and quicker decisions so that you could just be more efficient maybe it is a bit fucked up but it's probably something to do you know before i deliberately didn't bring my power supply to the cca with me so we're running this broadcast (laughs) on my laptop that's not plugged into the mains and i know it's got about an hour and a half to two hours battery life but i did that on purpose so i'd work harder Mm -hmm. so afterwards i'd just be bam 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 this is what we need to get done to get the podcast online so i can be off to my studio i wonder though actually if those kind of decisions are acceptable in terms of contributing to your life project because one of the things that rick roderick gives as an, exa- as an example that he doesn't think is a good way of thinking about your life project is people who do exercise all the time because yeah. he says that actually you might live 34 years longer than him because yeah. he's a smoker and a drinker but actually all it means is that you'll have 34 more years to do that exercise in and yeah. he says like who wants to be the best looking or the fittest 111 year old if that's actually all that you've got if that's your whole story your whole narrative that you've got to tell i think i have to come back on this because please do i am a bit of an exercise you've made a decision to put exercise as part of your life but actually i am feeling a little bit tired today because the university pool where i swim there three times a week has just reopened and I've been back there yesterday, and I swam 100 lengths yesterday, and then I went today, and I swam 100 lengths, and I made myself get up at 7.30, and now I'm feeling really exhausted. But it's because I have this routine <laughs> <laughs> and this quota of lengths that I make myself do. Well, I made the project. You've reminded mm-hmm. me of something, yeah. actually. The Swimmer's Dilemma, this project that I talked oh. about, um, which is all to do with decision-making, because 
I mean, I feel like I'm a bit rusty on decisions because when I was researching this this morning, I was thinking, before I came to do my MA, I did a lot of research into ethics. I mean, ethics was probably one of the, 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 the main, my main kind of field of interest that I, I wanted to get to grips with. And all of it has kind of disappeared out of my mind, which is really sad. Um, but do you remember me talking about these thought experiments and these trolley, like the trolley problem and things? Yeah, sure. I really like all of those things, actually. Your decisions. But there's a whole branch of... Um, economic psychology called decision theory which mm -hmm. is something that I was really interested in researching and one of the things that's kind of linked to decision theory is the prisoner's dilemma which is that infamous mm. kind of thought experiment if you like about assuming that all people are selfish rational beings and they'll, they'll always act in their own interest and that you take that as a kind of basis for deciding or being able to calculate how people will behave but one of the things I made was a sort of little play on that looking back at, to the first um, term of when we were on the MFA mm -hmm. when I was swimming four times a week then like in that case um, but I would wake up in my flat in Hindland, which I hated because it was really damp <laughs> and disgusting. I'd wake up at 7.30 and this was like my first like few months of living in Glasgow and that itself was a bit of a shock because of the rain and like the darkness and the loneliness and the isolation. But I would always have this little ethical conundrum, well not really an ethical conundrum, just like a little backward or forth, all of the arguments for staying in bed and all of the arguments for getting out and going to the pool. And I wrote them all up. And then I created <laughs> like this little animation that would just flick between the two. Like all the reasons why I should stay in bed and all the reasons why I should go. And things like why I should go were things like so I'd be healthier, so that I'd live longer. One of them is quite sick, is so that I'd make my flatmate Juan Ooh. even more lazy no offense to Juan he was just staying in bed next door but that is a problem because you know that is his decision yeah that's his choice and like I wonder like what the uh like how much you should really be trying to force your your personal decision making onto someone else like that seems like more of an ethical dilemma than any of the actual uh the kind of swimmers I wasn't I wasn't Conundrum or whatever it's called. I wasn't forcing him <laughs> to go to the pool. I was just like, I don't know. No, but it's like a passive protest, isn't it? But no. If, you, if you're thinking about it in that way, it doesn't have to be, but it, it, could, it could be considered as a passive I protest. I think what I was thinking about is motivation, and maybe motivation would be another theme for a show that mm. we should take forward. But I was thinking, I'd like yeah. to think more about motivations. Well, motivation. I think it would resolve my issue with decisions. You know, motivation and decisions, they're key aspects of of ethics, you know, these those are kind of like the key things that drive But what interrupts? What do you think it is that interrupts? Because I've been thinking a lot. Oh, go on, say, say, say it. The thing that, it wasn't the fact I was deciding, it was the fact that Juan was lying in bed asleep, and I knew that, acted as a motivating factor for me to get up and go. I'm so glad that you say that, because I often wonder, like, I wonder, when I lived with people that I thought were lazier than me, yeah. I worked a lot harder. But now I live with you, who yeah. works so hard, I feel like I've almost taken on the lazier, as if there has to be that balance, as if I've made that decision some way, that it's like, if you can't beat someone, <laughs> rather than join them, it's better to just drop out of it, or to offer a counter-argument, because I, I think that a lot of my decision-making, and a lot of the way that I decide to conduct myself, 
is purely about always being conscious of presenting a counter-argument to people. It's quite perverse. Like, I don't know whether that's like, I don't know whether that's something to do with Socratic method. I'm not sure, but it seems like I always want to offer an alternative option to how that person thinks. But I think you're caught in a sort of schizophrenia because half of you wants to beat me and half of you wants to join me and you're continually oscillating between the two poles because I see it because I find it remarkable kind of how frequently your routine changes and how Mm -hmm. frequently you change from right I'm doing this this week I'm leaving my laptop at the studio and I'm reading this week or I'm cooking this week and I'm getting organized and stuff and stuff and stuff and the next thing you know you're just out I think it's because I'm far too sensitive um, to things in the outer world that I think tend to just totally change the way that I deal with things. And I, because, also, cause, I mean, uh, for you, you're quite, you know, once you've set your mind on, or once you've made a decision, there's nothing going to shake you off that. Like, so when I see you in the morning, if I say hello, the first thing that you might, like this morning you were like, I have to go and listen to the news. And I was thinking, like, it's quite amazing, like, because if that was me, I wouldn't ever, like, I'd never just be like, right, I can't talk to you right now because I have to just go and listen to news. But I think it's my downfall. I think it is. It, well, oh, well, I don't know. I think that both actions have different consequences. But I wanted to <laughs> listen to the news because it was just coming out to 10 o'clock and it was the local election yesterday, which is maybe something that we can talk about later mm-hmm. in the show in terms of making Oh, my God, I think we better make a decision about making a song, you know. Okay, so I've been told that I've been making a lot of hip choices recently. And that's nice, some really cool decisions. So today, my decision might disappoint some people, but I've chosen this just as a way of like reminding myself, like for God's sake, just make a decision. So this is, uh, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so embarrassed. I'm not even going to introduce it. I'm ashamed. Here we go.
This is Ellie. You probably couldn't hear me for the last like 20 minutes of the show because we're in the CCA. We brought all of the equipment with us and Oliver plugged the microphones. I like to blame Oliver. <laughs> into the wrong holes on the mixer. So my sound was turned really far down. So anyway, we're going to try and correct that. I think that's quite interesting actually because you know now I'm going to have to spend all afternoon trying to rejig it so that when we do the premiere I'll try to change the volumes uh, when we put it on as a mix card on iTunes but actually that shows how the outer world has totally changed like what I decided to do this afternoon has now been completely altered by like a chance coincidence I say chance because there's no marking on any of the microphone plugs I just put them in where I thought I was supposed to put them in I'm not trying to defend myself it's my bad my bad you should never have unplugged that anyway we need to get on with the show we do need to get on with the show do I repeat all of the things that I was saying before Shall I talk more about um, the three different branches of ethics? Let's talk about the three different branches of ethics. Well, this is something that I learned a lot about in 2008 and nine, and actually during the MFA as well, because I did the course in meta-ethics, but, and I completely forgotten it all until this morning when I went on Wikipedia. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> basically, um, consequentialism, deontology, and I think the last one is pragmatism. But these three different branches that are all kind of distinct and consequentialism is the one of the most interesting because that links to the theories of utilitarianism which is that you would choose basically all of your decisions would be based on what would give the greatest happiness to the mm. greatest number so you use that as your guiding force and that's how you decide what to do um, but there's other branches of consequentialism and one of these things is this thought experiment called the trolley problem which was devised by a female like philosopher whose name I can't remember, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you'd have asked me two years ago, I would have known. Um, but the idea is that you've got this train. I don't know why they don't call it the train problem, actually. We do have quite a big train problem in this country. which Philip a foot. Philip a foot, that's the one. She introduced the trolley problem. And um, <laughs> So the train, or the trolley, is mm-hmm. coming down the track, and I think... There's a branch in the track, okay, and you've got to decide, uh, and, and on one side, this is it, right, on one side of the branch is a person um, tied to the rails who's basically going to be killed if the trolley goes over them. And on the other side of the branch is three people tied to the rails. <laughs> and in between the rails is a lever, and you're witnessing all of this, and you can. Um, the train is going to go down the track where the three people are, so it's basically going to kill three people. And you're an observer, and you can make the decision whether or not to intervene. So it's about whether you decide to switch the lever and to send the trolley down the track that will kill one person, but it's kind of like you are then consciously intervening and consciously making the decision Mm. to kill that person. 
or just to stand back and allow these three people I'd, to die. I'd let the three people die, defos, because they're all dying together, and so at least they're having a communal experience. You know, and I don't know, whereas one person dying alone, I know if, we, if we've watched Johnny Darko, I know we all die alone, but at least there's three people, they can all be screaming together, whereas that one person on their own, I think they're probably a lot more going to be a lot more scared because they're dying just them. Well, you seem to have made a decision quite quickly Just about that. Just doing it like that. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. It's Actually, philosophy of acceptance, though, also. That's the way that it was supposed to happen. Oh, I've had so much stuff that I wanted to talk about that we've not had time for, because I also wanted to talk about like the fact that in my life, like you say you think I'm decisive, but I think I'm incredibly undecisive when it comes to little things. Like... When it comes to, like, what to buy in a shop, for example, I am paralysed by choice, like, paralysed by all of these different oh, um, possibilities. But, but maybe it's because you're jostling with the mega goals. Maybe. Rather than the mini goals. But that's what I was going to say. Like, all of the massive decisions that I've made in my life, I've just gone for it, like, buying that flat. Yeah. Like, I, vis- I visited that flat twice when I was drunk. <laughs> And then bought it, and I've never regretted it, you know? Like, yeah. I've never regretted any of the massive decisions that I've ever made. Like, moving to Glasgow, I had two weeks between finding out that I'd got the funding to come here and moving. But um, is that rationalisation? Because if you make such a massive decision, it's going to have such a big impact on your life. Basically, your brain couldn't really compute properly the idea that then you would do it and completely regret it. So you begin to see all these different positives. Yeah. Or or you begin to believe that that choice was positive. Because that's another problem with decisions is that actually if the brain rewrites the past and the future constantly to make things better for you yeah. as like a brain trick, then how, ca- how can you ever make the wrong decision? Yeah. Because you'll well, always be able to justify it. Going back to Heidegger, it's like, look, join the Nazi party and then never even apologize for it. It's cool. <laughs> cool decision. Come on, not Eddie. very cool. You, no, but cool. he was cool with it. But right? anyway, we are running out of time. And oh, but what I wanted to say just on that subject is that the last week or so, two people have said different things to me. Whatever decision you make will be the right decision, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of quite a common philosophy. Mm-hmm. But somebody else said to me this week, "Whatever decision you make will be the wrong decision," which I think was quite interesting. In a way of thinking, maybe it's just that glass. That half full, glass half empty thing. I don't know. Anyway, we've run out of time, unfortunately, which is really upsetting because I had a massive long list. I think this is such a massive topic. I'd like to try and maybe pick out some of the themes that we touched on to make into whole shows. But Mm. um, I had a little concept for choosing my song, which is based on being very indecisive about being able to pick music. Um... And maybe it comes back to, like, if you don't have very good knowledge of um, a particular area, then you can't make very good choices, which is maybe what I'm suffering from. Anyway, I decided to get the top five songs, the top five most listened to songs from my iTunes, all lined up, um, and then to just make a decision now about what to play. Go for it. I wish we had a spinning wheel effect. I know. Well, I could do the... I, I thought it would be quite interesting to do the to read the list out. Go for it. Well, number one is Subliminal White Noise, but I've uncounted <laughs> that because that's 59 minutes and it just goes... 
<laughs> I've listened to that 967 times, apparently. Then it's Crystal Castle's Time Wave. That's 29 Whoa, times. I can't believe that. Is that your Time Wave? <laughs> yeah, then it's Paul McKenna, Instant Confidence. Uh-huh. But I've, I've discounted that as well. I've listened to that 27 times. Then it's the Fiery Furnaces, Here Comes the Summer, which is actually really mm. cool. But the sun's kind of gone in a bit now. David Bowie, Modern Love, I've listened to 22 times. The XS, XX Islands, I've listened to 21 times. And Wave Machines, Keep the Lights On, I've listened to 17 times. And I was going to do it based on my mood, but I'm kind of feeling a bit sad because we cocked up with the microphone mm, so much. It is really sad. And I've really enjoyed today's show, and I, that kind of horrible realisation halfway through that we've made another massive cock up. If you want to hear it again, though, we're going to try and alter it for the Mixed Cloud and the iTunes, so listen again, and, and you can hear all the crossed. insightful things that Ellie's got to say about decisions. So I don't think I'm going to play very, something very upbeat. Well, let's end something maudlin, then. Well, I was thinking I might play Wave Machines, but it is very long, it's six minutes, but it's kind of the most kind of... They're like Liverpool-based bands... Okay. And so it's kind of maybe the coolest of the things that I they could do. They do so well. Actually, XX. If it had been a couple of years ago, you'd have been well cool. I know. <laughs> but let's, right. yeah, well, 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 let's just find out what you choose. Okay. What is? Song 
sun Trace the bones, feel the blood run Eyes shut red, don't burn the day Say your name, tell yourself that everything is okay Thank you.